0: The following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people, and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer, and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's, directions, or resources, please visit stnick's.org.uk. Our reading is taken from 1 Peter 2, verses
1: 11 to 25. I'll give you a few minutes to find that in your Bible. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors are sent by him, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should be to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honour everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honour the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: I wonder if you felt hemmed in or liberated during this time of lockdown. Some of us may have found the free diaries wonderfully liberating and freeing. Well, that is until they started getting filled up with Zoom calls. And then there's been the fact that we haven't had to rush out in the morning. For people with children, there's been no school run. And then there's also the fact that you can pretty much wear what you like. Even if you're in work clothes, you can get away with a smart shirt, shorts, flip-flops, and it's all fine. You just have to remember not to stand up. But there have been things that have been sad as well not being able to see friends or family and the strange reality of only being allowed out for one piece of exercise a day. On Wednesday the 13th I got up and then went round the block just because I could. Some of us have really found the restrictions very challenging indeed for different reasons. Health issues, isolation, extra caring responsibilities or very difficult lockdown circumstances. Perhaps there's also been a bit of a shaking of our sense of identity. Who are we when we're not with other people and we've got no social activities to go to? For some of us, it's really been quite horrendous and we felt stuck in a situation that we can't change. Well, this uh, section of Peter's letter is addressed to Christians in completely different circumstances to us, but who were also stuck in situations that they could not change. Although persecution was not sanctioned by the state, they were experiencing it, sometimes in the form of slander. They felt like aliens in their own country And for slaves, this was particularly bad. Sometimes they had important responsibilities, such as running households. um, And yet, at the same time, they could be physically abused or falsely accused. And they were not in a position to resist. This is perhaps something that the persecuted church can really identify with. In the Roman Empire, everyone had a set place in society, with the emperor at the top and slaves at the bottom. And the Roman household code, on which this section of Peter's letter is based, was part of the glue that kept the empire together. To challenge this was to challenge the empire. And the early church was definitely not in a position to do that. So, instead of challenging the situation, Peter writes them a pastoral letter in which he outlines a completely new take on the situation. Show respect to everyone, whoever they are. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honour the King. This was a radical line to take in a society where status was so important. Secondly, remember and live out of your true identity as free people. They may be treated like outcasts, yes. They may be, feel like aliens, yes. They may be slaves, yes. But they were free. And free here does not refer to the freedom experienced by slaves after they had been freed. No, this word refers to those born into freedom. When they chose to follow Jesus, they found a new free status in him. They became a new creation regardless of their position in Roman society. In the verses just before the passage that was read today, Peter calls them a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. This is their true identity. Much of verses 13 to 20 encourages and directs them to submit to authority under which they live as given by God to keep order in society, and to bear up under unjust suffering as a witness to those in authority over them. But primarily, they are to submit to God. Submitting to authority is part of what they have been called to, not just what they must do because they're slaves and have no rights, but that which they choose to do as they follow in Christ's footsteps. Slaves or not, those who Peter wrote to are called to live as free people. They could choose how to respond to the situation they were in. This idea of being free to choose how we respond to things is not just found in the Bible. Epictetus, the Greek Stoic philosopher, said the same. Viktor Frankl, a psychologist imprisoned by the Nazis in a concentration camp, became famous after the Second World War by explaining in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, how this had worked in practice in the camps. And most recently, in the best-selling Charlie Makassi book, The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The Horse. The Mole announces to the boy that one of our greatest freedoms is how we react to things. Is Peter then just repeating a lot of good advice? Well, there's nothing wrong with good advice and I personally love a good quote. So what is different about what Peter is saying? He's already told them that good may come of them submitting to unjust punishment, and that this will be commendable before God. In the midst of suffering, it can help to feel that good may eventually come out of it, that there is some purpose for it. For those who've chosen to follow God, it's good to know that God will be pleased. Secondly, Peter also explains that this forbearance is what they have been called to as they follow in Christ's footsteps. As Jesus suffered unjustly, he entrusted himself to God who judges justly. And in the same way, there is the hope Of eventual vindication for them." But Peter doesn't stop with telling them to follow in Jesus's footsteps. In fact if the passage had stopped at verse 23, whilst it offers comfort and encouragement that they are following in the footsteps of the Son of God, that they're doing the right thing, I'm not sure if at its essence it just amounts to moral advice yes it's completely countercultural counterintuitive and in that sense it is a radical way of living but it reminds me somewhat of being awed by exemplary examples so examples of exemplary human beings like gandhi and martin luther king And I'm not sure that I can be that amazing. Although of course I want to be more like Jesus, as I think he was the most remarkable human being ever to have lived. But Peter doesn't stop there. He goes on to make reference to the suffering servant described in Isaiah 53 the only new testament writer to do it this in such an explicit way jesus's death provides something more than a good example to follow as one commentator says jesus's suffering was in some mysterious way an exchange that allows us to experience blessing he took our sins in his body on the cross, and somehow that enables us to die to sin, the natural way of doing things that goes against God's way, and to live for righteousness, God's way of doing things, his topsy-turvy way of doing things, which is a demonstration of his kingdom in the world. By his wounds you have been healed. Healing in this context refers to restoration of health in all ways. He was wounded and we were healed. He received death and we receive life and all that we could ever need for living it. They and we who were lost have returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls this is the good shepherd described in john chapter 10 who knows his sheep and they know him who chooses to lay down his life for the sheep that they might have life in abundance this is the same shepherd who promises never to leave them or forsake them but rather to be with them to the end of the age This is not just an instruction to walk a very difficult path, even if it is following in the footsteps of their wonderful saviour. This is following in the footsteps of a shepherd who literally makes possible what would naturally not have been possible. He clears the path, blazing a trail through death and into life, releasing a flow of supernatural grace to all who choose to receive. Sometimes we remember that verse, by grace we have been saved. And maybe we think it's for eternity, but eternity with God starts now. The writer to the Hebrews says, "'Let us come boldly to the throne of grace, to receive grace and mercy to help us in our time of need.'" Those Christians needed that supernatural grace if they were to respond graciously to unjust treatment, to hold on to their identity as free people, God's chosen people, refusing to be victims. We need that supernatural grace that the Holy Spirit brings. If we are to live full of grace, as Peter encourages us responding to others as Jesus did and representing him as his church, wherever we are, as Philip Plymming encouraged us last week. Peter here reminds them that by the Holy Spirit, this shepherd and overseer of their souls will be there to give them all that they need to walk this path. The call to follow in Jesus's footsteps doesn't disappear because the circumstances are difficult. It's perhaps rather an uncomfortable truth that much of the Bible was written to people in difficult circumstances. But that also means it's as relevant today as it was then, and millions, including myself, can testify that the God described in the Bible who sent his son Jesus is the same God who by his Holy Spirit is with us today. So, as we venture forth into a slightly uncertain future, let's take heart and remember what our real identity is. Though there may be things we can't do, we are still free to live out our calling, to follow in Jesus's footsteps, whatever the circumstances, knowing, not just hoping, but knowing that the Good Shepherd who blazed the trail will be with us every step of the way. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you that by your Holy Spirit, the Good Shepherd is with us. May we know your comfort and encouragement as we follow in Christ's footsteps. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Thank you for listening to the St Nick's
0: Durham Podcast. If you'd like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk